Writing a letter to your younger self has become a popular practice. With the benefit of hindsight and wisdom gained across the intervening years, what advice would you pass on to your younger self? Well, a lot of these letters have gone public, uh, sporting a number of common themes, including know your worth, stop feeling that life is unfair, learn to let go, stop judging others by perfection, admit that being in control is an illusion, become gentler, not harsher with those closest to you. Don't place too much value on what others think. And a smile is contagious. Some good advice offered out of a genuine love and concern. If only it were possible to pass it on to our younger self. But perhaps we haven't always thought through how that younger self would receive it. What is meant to lift some of the obstacles from the path ahead might instead only serve to weigh you down with an extra burden as you make your way in life. You see, the assumption is that the younger you has a power within them to work change, a power which somehow remained conspicuously absent in the years following which still hasn't put in an appearance to date. Writing a letter to your younger self is very well-intentioned, but it overlooks the fact that the best of the change you advise could never be brought about by our effort or resolve. The change that each of us would like to see can only be brought about through a decisive intervention from without. The astonishing claim here in Ephesians is that we find precisely what we need in the gospel, the gift of God's grace to us in Jesus Christ. It matters not your age and stage of life Out with the old, in with the new. That's what's on offer. Here in Ephesians chapter 4, we're told, verse 22, to put off our old self, and verse 24, to put on the new self. This, friends, gives us a powerful picture of the Christian life. Last Sunday, we touched upon how it is all a matter of getting dressed. The clothing we are to put on couldn't be more different than the clothing we are to put off. Light instead of darkness. Life instead of death. Where is the power for such a radical makeover? It isn't found in ourselves. Again, last Sunday we touched upon how this new life 
is to be lived. We live it in the presence of Christ and in the power of Christ. To fill that out a bit more, you and I live in his presence by listening to Jesus, paying close and careful attention to his word, the Bible, ensuring we've heard it clearly and correctly. You and I live in his power to the extent that we receive Jesus' word, actively responding to it, eagerly embracing it. That's to say his word, the gospel message itself, is the power by which we are made new, by which we put off the old self and put on the new. The question before us this morning is, how does this work? How does this work? Here's where the verses of Ephesians we've just heard read are so helpful to us. They give us four worked examples of how this change is brought about. Now, here's how we tend to imagine it works. Someone has wronged you. And it has left you bitter. You want to forgive them. That's the goal you're moving towards. But you say to yourself, I've got to deal with my bitterness first. Rid of my bitterness, I'll be in the place to forgive. You're operating on the belief that you've got to clean up your old self. Then you'll be in a position to try out the new In other words, you think the dynamic is this. Out with the old, in with the new. We all do. But the surprise is, the gospel reverses this completely. The dynamic at work is now instead, in with the new, out with the old. Perhaps a few visuals will help us grasp this more clearly. Here's a person making her way through life. She comes within hearing of the gospel and actively engages with the message, positively responding to the good news. The gospel gets to work, so she is made new. As she continues to respond to the message, this same gospel empowers her to do two things in order. To put on her new self and put off her old self. And therein lie the Christian life. Our daily ongoing discipline of getting dressed. This is the dynamic we're going to see played out in each of the four examples Paul gives us in verses 25 to 29. Why these precise examples? We're to keep in view all that Paul has taught earlier. God's overarching new creation purpose is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. 
Where does that begin? Where do we see that being achieved today? Look around this room. It has begun right here in our having been gathered together by him in this place. In putting on the new self, I will live in a way that strengthens the unity and builds up this body of Christ. Conversely, in not putting off the old self, I will live in a way that weakens the unity, even tears down this body of Christ. If that's true of me, it's true of you also. We are quite literally all in this together. We've been reminded this morning of the uh, the need for each of us to be actively serving in the life of all souls. Certainly the first and probably the most important way we can be serving one another is by paying careful attention to what we're wearing. New self or old, it matters that we're appropriately dressed. So, first example, verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. The gospel tells me this. We are all members of one body. How so? Glance across at chapter 2, verse 15. His, Christ's, purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Through the cross, a truly wondrous thing has been achieved. Humanity had excelled in in setting itself over and against one another. And never was that division more pronounced than between Jew and Gentile. Prideful boasting only ever fuels hostility. But at the cross, the ground has been removed from under every boast each successively stripped away until we're brought to stand level with one another. To recognize that in Christ, there's more that unites us than ever separated us. The reality of the new humanity, this is the truth which the new self is given to speak to our neighbor. We're to constantly remind one another, we're now one body. And we'll take every opportunity to move towards one another, encouraging one another in Christ. The alternative, well, the alternative is to continue on in falsehood. Steering clear of the cross, both feet resolutely placed in the past. Believing that you are either better or worse than your neighbor. So keeping your distance from them. 
taking every opportunity to demonstrate your separation. Really, this is no alternative at all. It is of the old self, which must be put off. A piece of clothing which no longer fits, so needs to be discarded. Second example, verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. In and with Christ, we find ourselves in an infinitely better situation than we were in without him. At the beginning of chapter 2, our plight was a stark one. Without God in the world, we lived to gratify our cravings. But lest we think we were simply treading our own path in life, we're told we were simply following in the footsteps of the devil himself. We're never the great improvisers we imagine ourselves to be. It used to be that the devil had a hold on us with the minimal effort and our complete compliance. But the gospel tells me this is no longer so. The devil is grieved that we've unfollowed him. He would love to coax us back. Yet notice the good news there in verse 26. Do not give the devil a foothold. The ball's in our court. As we commit to putting on the new self and putting off the old self, we can live so that the devil cannot get so much as a foothold. Few things, if left unchecked, can do more damage than anger. Fanned into flame and left to run out of control, anger will burn a whole house to the ground. So little wonder the devil would love to get his foot in here for the devastation it would cause sweeping through the life of a church. Anger itself is not a bad thing. There will be plenty of things that have happened and will happen to us that will rightly cause us to be angry. However, what is a bad thing is what we often do with it, or what we let it do with us. The overspill of anger from our old self is so often a multitude of sins. But this is the principle our new self, eager to give the devil no foothold, takes to heart. It doesn't let the sun go down on its anger. Perhaps, perhaps it's after sunset that we're most vulnerable. Yet the emphasis here is surely on dealing with our anger swiftly. The gospel alerts us to the very real danger. And by the gospel, we quench it. The embers of a fire... The longer they are left unattended, 
They've got a remarkable way of igniting into flame. Much better to douse them the moment we notice them. Third example, verse 28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. The gospel, the gift of God's grace in Jesus Christ, is the work not of our hands, but of God's hands. At great cost to himself, at the cross, he has met our most pressing need. In putting on our new self, we will be those who demonstrate the same generosity in responding to another's needs. There will be no sitting idle. We'll put our hands to good use, perhaps altogether new uses, in order to produce not just for my needs, but that bit more which can help meet the needs of others. In God's relationship with us, he's always the net giver. He'll never be in our debt. As we put on the new self, we likewise can aspire to be net givers right here in this congregation. Notice the alternative, the old self alluded to there in verse 28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. You may not consider yourself a thief, but what is stealing other than a work of the hands channeled in a selfish direction? Instead of working with our hands to help meet the needs of others, stealing is working with our hands to help only ourselves. We steal from someone in one of two ways. The first most obvious way is, is, is taking from them. The second less obvious way is withholding from them. Stealing in this second sense. Withholding. When you have it within your means to contribute to meeting another's need, no matter how small that contribution may be, this is the stance of the old self, an attitude that is incompatible with the new. Discard it. Fourth example, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. As we're called to do with our hands, we're also called to do with our mouth. The words that come from Jesus' mouth have the power to make and remake worlds. By Jesus' words, we ourselves are made new. They are the power by which we, we put on the new self and put off the old. As we underestimate the power of Jesus' word, 
we also underestimate the power of our own words. By them, we heal or wound, build up or tear down, unite or divide. Estimates are we speak around 30,000 words a day. 30,000. How many of them should have been spoken? I asked myself. The word translated benefit here in verse 29 is grace. Do our words grace those who listen? In the word of the gospel, we ourselves have been graced. So, putting on the new self will certainly get us to pause before we speak, to be more discerning about what we speak, perhaps even cutting the number of words we speak. For in putting off our old self, what used to be the hot topics of conversation now lay discarded and obsolete. Well, here they are. Each of these four examples makes clear that in putting on my new self, I am being obedient to the gospel and am committing myself to both the unity and the building up of the body of Christ. We must be putting on the new self again and again every morning probably several more times in the course of the day, because the old self is also going to need putting off again and again and again. We do love to hold on to old clothes, hugging them tight, even if they no longer fit us. At times where we're scrabbling around on the floor behind us to pick up what we've already once discarded, even if it's entirely inappropriate to go on wearing it. Falsehood, anger, stealing, harmful talk. Here is the bottom line for why we must put these things off and go on evicting them till they darken our door no more. Verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit gives no place to that which is unholy. Grieve the devil as much as you like, as much as you can. (laughs) Grieve yourself, for that matter. But the one thing the new self will never rest content with is grieving the Holy Spirit. There can be no cohabitation of the old with the new. If you're all too aware of the conflict, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Your determination to go on putting off the old self is a true sign that you truly are sealed with the Spirit. In a few moments, we're coming to the Lord's table. 
there couldn't be a better visual reminder of the dynamic at work in the gospel. It is in with the new, out with the old. We don't clean up our old self beforehand. Rather, we come to the Lord acknowledging that we are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under his table. And as we do come empty-handed, we are graced with the visible words of bread and wine, which speak the gospel to us in our place of need, meeting that very need. As something of the climax to all that has already been said, Ephesians 4 verse 31 goes on, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. We can truly put off this old self because at the cross, its hold upon us has been truly broken. Those things that were the cause of bitterness and anger between us, your sin and mine, have already met with God's righteous anger at the cross. This means, this means there is no longer any basis for hostility between any of us. Instead, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. The new self really is ours for the living. All because, Ephesians 5, verse 2, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Amen.